0: Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Discourse on the Method of Rightly Conducting the Reason and Seeking Truth in the Sciences by René Descartes Part 6a Three years have now elapsed since I finished the treatise containing all these matters, and I was beginning to revise it with the view to put it into the hands of a printer, when I learned that persons to whom I greatly defer, and whose authority over my actions is hardly less influential than is my own reason over my thoughts, had condemned a certain doctrine in physics, published a short time previously by another individual, to which I will not say that I adhered, but only that, Previously to their censure, I had observed in it nothing which I could imagine to be prejudicial, either to religion or to the state, and nothing, therefore, which would have prevented me from giving expression to it in writing, if reason had persuaded me of its truth. And this led me to fear, lest among my own doctrines likewise some one might be found in which I had departed from the truth notwithstanding the great care I have always taken not to accord belief to new opinions of which I had not the most certain demonstrations, and not to give expression to aught that might tend to the hurt of any one, This has been sufficient to make me alter my purpose of publishing them, for although the reasons by which I had been induced to take this resolution were very strong, yet my inclination, which has always been hostile to writing books, enabled me immediately to discover other considerations sufficient to excuse me for not undertaking the task. And these reasons, on one side and the other, are such that not only is it in some measure my interest here to state them, but that of the public, perhaps, to know them. I have never made much account of what has proceeded from my own mind. And so long as I gathered no other advantage from the method I employ beyond satisfying myself on some difficulties belonging to the speculative sciences, or endeavoring to regulate my actions according to the principles it taught me, I never thought myself bound to publish anything respecting it. For in what regards manners, every one is so full of his own wisdom, that there might be found as many reformers as heads, if any were allowed to take upon themselves the task of mending them except those whom God has constituted the supreme rulers of his people, or to whom he has given sufficient grace and zeal to be prophets. And although my speculations greatly pleased myself, I believed that others had theirs, which perhaps pleased them still more. But as soon as I had acquired some general notions respecting physics, and beginning to make trial of them in various particular difficulties, had observed how far they can carry us, and how much they differ from the principles that have been employed up to the present time, I believe that I could not keep them concealed without sinning grievously against the law by which we are bound to promote, as far as in us lies, the general good of mankind. For by them I perceived it to be possible to arrive at knowledge highly useful in life, and in room of the speculative philosophy usually taught in the schools, to discover a practical By means of which, knowing the force and action of fire, water, air, the stars, the heavens, and all the other bodies that surround us, as distinctly as we know the various crafts of our artisans, we might also apply them in the same way to all the uses to which they are adapted, and thus render ourselves the lords and possessors of nature. And this is a result to be desired not only in order to the invention of an infinity of arts, by which we might be enabled to enjoy without any trouble the fruits of the earth, and all its comforts, but also, and especially, for the preservation of health, which is without doubt, of all the blessings of this life, the first and fundamental one. For the mind is so intimately dependent upon the condition and relation of the organs of the body, that if any means can ever be found to render men wiser and more ingenious than hitherto, I believe that it is in medicine they must be sought for. It is true that the science of medicine, as it now exists, contains few things whose utility is very remarkable. But without any wish to depreciate it, I am confident that there is no one, even among those whose profession it is, who does not admit that all at present known in it is almost nothing in comparison of what remains to be discovered and that we could free ourselves from an infinity of maladies of body as well as of mind, and perhaps also even from the debility of age, if we had sufficiently ample knowledge of their causes, and of all the remedies provided for us by nature. But since I designed to employ my whole life in the search after so necessary a science, and since I had fallen in with a path which seemed to me such, that if any one follow it he must inevitably reach the end desired, unless he be hindered either by the shortness of life or the want of experiments, I judge that there could be no more effectual provision against these two impediments than if I were faithfully to communicate to the public all the little I might myself have found, and incite men of superior genius to strive to proceed farther, by contributing, each according to his inclination and ability, to the experiments which would be necessary to make, and also by informing the public of all they might discover, so that, by the last beginning where those before them had left off, and thus connecting the lives and labors of many, we might collectively proceed much farther than each by himself could do. I remarked, moreover, with respect to experiments, that they become always more necessary the more one is advanced in knowledge. For at the commencement it is better to make use only of what is spontaneously presented to our senses, and of which we cannot remain ignorant, provided we bestow on it any reflection, however slight, than to concern ourselves about more uncommon and recondite phenomena. The reason of which is, that the more uncommon often only mislead us so long as the causes of the more ordinary are still unknown, and the circumstances upon which they depend are almost always so special and minute as to be highly difficult to detect. But in this I have adopted the following order. First, I have essayed to find in general the principles, or first causes, of all that is or can be in the world, without taking into consideration, for this end, anything but God himself who has created it, and without educing from them any other source than from certain germs of truth naturally existing in our minds. In the second place, I examined what were the first and most ordinary effects that could be deduced from these causes, and it appears to me that, in this way, I have found heavens, stars, and earth, and even on the earth water, air, fire, minerals, and some other things of this kind, which of all others are the most common and simple, and hence the easiest to know. Afterwards, when I wished to descend to the more particular, so many diverse objects presented themselves to me, that I believed it to be impossible for the human mind to distinguish the forms or species of bodies that are upon the earth from an infinity of others which might have been, if it had pleased God to place them there, or consequently to apply them to our use, unless we rise to causes through their effects, and avail ourselves of many particular experiments. Thereupon, turning over in my mind the objects that had ever been presented to my senses, I freely venture to state that I have never observed any which I could not satisfactorily explain by the principles I had discovered. But I must also admit that the power of nature is so ample and so vast, and these principles are so simple and so general that I notice hardly any particular effect without at once knowing that it can be deduced in many different ways from them, and that ordinarily my greatest difficulty is to find in which of these ways it depends on them. For to this end, I know of no other expedient at all except to search once more for some experiments, which are such that their outcomes are not the same, if it is in one of these ways rather than in another that one ought to explain the outcome. As to the rest, I am now at the point where, it seems to me, I see quite well what approach one must take in order to make most of the experiments that can serve this purpose. But I also see that they are of such a kind and of so great a number that neither my adroitness nor my financial resources, even if I had a thousand times more than I have, would suffice for all of them, so that... According as I henceforth have the opportunity to perform more or fewer experiments, I shall also advance more or less in the knowledge of nature. That is what I meant to make known through the treatise I had written, and to show there so clearly the utility that the public could gain from such knowledge, that I would oblige all those who desire the general well-being of men that is to say, all those who really are virtuous, not just appearing to be so through false pretenses or merely by reputation, both to communicate those experiments they have already performed, and to assist me in the search for those that remain to be performed. But since that time, other reasons have occurred to me, by which I have been led to change my opinion. And to think that I ought indeed to go on committing to writing all the results which I deemed of any moment, as soon as I should have tested their truth, and to bestow the same care upon them as I would have done had it been my design to publish them. This course commended itself to me, as well because I thus afforded myself more ample inducement to examine them thoroughly. For doubtless, that is always more narrowly scrutinized which we believe will be read by many, than that which is written merely for our private use. And frequently, what has seemed to me true when I first conceived it, has appeared false when I have set about committing it to writing, as because I thus lost no opportunity of advancing the interests of the public, as far as in me lay, and since thus likewise, if my writings possess any value those into whose hands they may fall after my death, may be able to put them to what use they deem proper. But I resolved by no means to consent to their publication during my lifetime, lest either the oppositions or the controversies to which they might give rise, or even the reputation, such as it might be, which they would acquire for me, should be any occasion of my losing the time that I had set apart for my own improvement. For though it be true that every one is bound to promote to the extent of his ability the good of others, and that to be useful to no one is really to be worthless, yet it is likewise true that our cares ought to extend beyond the present, and it is good to omit doing what might perhaps bring some profit to the living, when we have in view the accomplishment of other ends that will be of much greater advantage to posterity. And in truth... I am quite willing, it should be known, that the little I have hitherto learned is almost nothing in comparison with that of which I am ignorant, and to the knowledge of which I do not despair of being able to attain. For it is much the same with those who gradually discover truth in the sciences, as with those who, when growing rich, find less difficulty in making great acquisitions than they formerly experienced when poor in making acquisitions of much smaller amount. Or they may be compared to the commanders of armies, whose forces usually increase in proportion to their victories, and who need greater prudence to keep together the residue of their troops after a defeat, than after a victory to take towns and provinces. For he truly engages in battle, who endeavors to surmount all the difficulties and errors which prevent him from reaching the knowledge of truth. And he is overcome in fight, who admits a false opinion touching a matter of any generality and importance and he requires thereafter much more skill to recover his former position than to make great advances when once in possession of thoroughly ascertained principles. As for myself, if I have succeeded in discovering any truths in the sciences, and I trust that what is contained in this volume I will show that I have found some, I can declare that they are but the consequences and results of five or six principal difficulties which I have surmounted and my encounters with which I reckoned as battles in which victory declared for me. I will not hesitate even to avow my belief that nothing further is wanting to enable me fully to realize my designs than to gain two or three similar victories, and that I am not so far advanced in years but that, according to the ordinary course of nature, I may still have sufficient leisure for this end. But I conceive myself the more bound to husband the time that remains, the greater my expectation of being able to employ it aright. And I should doubtless have much to rob me of it, were I to publish the principles of my physics. For although they are almost all so evident, that to assent to them no more is needed than simply to understand them, and although there is not one of them, of which I do not expect to be able to give demonstration, yet as it is impossible that they can be in accordance with all the diverse opinions of others, I foresee that I should frequently be turned aside from my grand design, on occasion of the opposition, which they would be sure to awaken. It may be said that these oppositions would be useful both in making me aware of my errors, and, if my speculations contain anything of value, in bringing others to a fuller understanding of it, and still farther, as many can see better than one, in leading others who are now beginning to avail themselves of my principles, to assist me, in turn, with their discoveries. But though I recognize my extreme liability to error, and scarce ever trust to the first thoughts which occur to me, yet the experience I have had of possible objections to my views prevent me from anticipating any profit from them. For I have already had frequent proof of the judgments, as well of those I esteemed friends, as of some others to whom I thought I was an object of indifference and even of some whose malignancy and envy would, I knew, determine them to endeavor to discover what partiality concealed from the eyes of my friends. But it has rarely happened that anything has been objected to me, which I had myself altogether overlooked, unless it were something far removed from the subject, so that I have never met with a single critic of my opinions who did not appear to me either less rigorous or less equitable than myself. And further, I have never observed that any truth before unknown has been brought to light by the disputations that are practiced in the schools. For while each strives for the victory, each is much more occupied in making the best of mere verisimilitude than in weighing the reasons on both sides of the question. And those who have been long good advocates are not afterwards on that account the better judges. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free,